Hi, my name is Wendy Weber. And my name is BJ Neal. Welcome to Nobody Chooses Homelessness. A podcast dedicated to changing the cultural narratives about homelessness and shedding light on how we can mobilize to be a part of the solution. In this podcast, we'll talk to everyday people, experts, entrepreneurs, and activists who are helping their unhoused neighbors find their way home again. We work for City Relief, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving people facing extreme poverty and homelessness. City Relief shows up weekly as a mobile outreach offering people free meals, supplies, and connection to resources for housing, employment, and health care. More importantly, we offer people friendship, community, and belonging. We both have years of experience working systematically and on the ground to end homelessness. We believe that in order to end homelessness, it's going to take a holistic approach with people from all walks of life helping their neighbors in need. Today, we dive into part two of our episode with Josiah Haken. Josiah Haken is CEO of City Relief, a faith-based nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting those experiencing or at risk of homelessness to the resources they need to improve their lives. From growing up as the son of missionaries in Cameroon to leading hundreds of outreaches in the streets of New York City and New Jersey, Josiah has a unique perspective on the complexities of poverty and homelessness. Josiah is widely recognized as a subject matter expert when it comes to homelessness. He has led dozens of workshops and webinars with major organizations, corporations, and faith communities in New York City, New Jersey, and across the U.S. He is also one of the leading strategists for Don't Walk By, the largest annual volunteer-led outreach event to the homeless in New York City. Josiah has a Master's of Arts in Ministry, Leadership, and Culture through Fresno Pacific University. In 2022, he published his first book, Neighbors with No Doors, The Truth About Homelessness and How You Can Make a Difference. Coming back to the question, now that we've kind of painted this tapestry of the current situation that we're dealing with with homelessness in New York City. So we've got actively reducing or dwindling numbers of affordable housing options. We've got an increase, especially not adding in the moratorium that that's done. So the evictions are, are happening now. Like we've got a, an increase, a drastic influx of people probably that are becoming homeless and will become homeless in Walk City, really. <laughs> Where are we positioning ourselves as our CEO? How are we positioning ourselves to be a part of solving this problem? Yeah, the, the first thing I would say is that we have to recognize that city relief by itself is not going to solve this problem. Sure. The problem's too big. Uh, we don't have the resources. We don't have, I, I've told hundreds of people over the years, I wish I had a building full of apartments. I could just give out keys. Here's like Oprah, here's a, you get a car, yeah. you get a car. I would love to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not realistic. So what we have to do is we have to get creative. So as an organization, what I believe we have to do is we have to consensus and we have to build cooperation and collaboration with other organizations. So we've been doing this intentionally for the last couple of years in preparation. Um, we actually, again, not as fast as maybe I would, uh, would choose to, but we have someone on staff full-time dedicated to community partnerships yeah. and we need to build that out. We need to expand the number of organizations that we work with, which means that as an organization, now we are an organization, a Christian, Jesus-centered we are unapologetically faith-based. At the same time, we cannot be prideful and we cannot be like stingy yeah. in who we partner with in order to help the people that we serve. Yeah. 
So we have to build collaborations and cooperations with organizations, both faith-based and not. And we have to really get really pragmatic to say, it doesn't matter if we disagree philosophically on this or that, or we have different motivations. Where are the common threads? Where are the areas of collaboration that we agree upon that we can leverage our strengths to help our guests, to help our friends? So to us as an organization, we have to build out partnerships beyond the faith-based, but including the faith-based services that exist. So that's the one thing that we, we have to do. And we have to continue to do that. The other thing we have to do is we have to help and, and recognize our position as an organization to help people recognize the realities and the complexities that we're fighting against to help shed light, which is exactly what we're doing here with this podcast and with, with this, this, the whole point of this is to help our stakeholders, our volunteers, our church partners, everyone to understand that we can't do this by ourselves. Yeah. We need to, we need each other. And if we think that the people we serve in any way deserve what they get, then that will limit the number of resources and choices that we make as a society to help them. Mm -hmm. So the part of the problem in terms of the stigma and ending homelessness is actually helping people recognize that these folks do not choose to be in the street. They are choosing not to be in shelters or they are dealing with the, they're playing the hand that, that they've been dealt as well as they can. So. Part of our role as an organization going forward is to educate and help people empathize with the realities that our friends are experiencing so that they can become advocates and they can become a voice wherever they might be, even if it's not New York, but like Indiana, Ohio, Texas, we can build out this sort of movement of compassion, of empathy, where we as a, as a, as a people of specifically of people who acknowledge Christ as the Lord, uh, we can shift how we address these things instead of trying to be transactional in our approach, we can be holistic. And so I think as an organization, we are trying to carve out the space where we say we, we exist to provide the most dignifying and effective and accessible solutions to the people we serve. Right. And we exist to change the narrative about homelessness in general so that everywhere we can start building like a grassroots movement that will start to change the momentum, which is currently moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and so much of what you're saying uh, lends itself to mentioning the book you just published called Neighbors with No Doors. And you've got two things going on there really to, as you're saying, a movement to help educate people to change the narrative of homelessness, to talk about the way what services, excellent services look like. In the first half of the book, you're talking about the lies out there about homelessness and those experiencing uh, experiencing homelessness. And I think there are things that we, it's, it's our worldview without meaning to be, right? It just seems to make sense that this, the homeless people are this and this and this and this until someone who, who has experience knowing that that's not always true talks to us about it. So there's four. I would love for you to pick your favorite one. And then the other three people are going to have to read your book to find out what they are. And they're really, really great. But so choose your your favorite or your least favorite and talk about that one. This holiday season, we've set a tremendous goal of reaching 15,000 people in the New York and New Jersey area who are experiencing homelessness and extreme poverty. 
For $20, you can sponsor one person and give them access to a hot meal, supplies, and time with our life care counselors. To give now, click the link in the description of this podcast. Well, I'll pick the one that I think is the most rampant, which is that they're all addicts. Homeless people are are addicts. They're out there because they're addicted to alcohol or drugs. This is so common. It's this is the this is the lie that leads people to say, "Don't give money to a homeless person because they're just going to use it on drugs." Yeah. And so th- that lie is again, and then that becomes a pervasive lie where we end up demonizing the homeless community, not just ignoring them, but actually being outwardly hostile to them. Because we believe that they should get what they deserve. And if they're choosing to spend their limited resources on alcohol or drugs, then they deserve what they get. That is so pervasive in our culture. Now, taking aside, setting aside the fact that the, there's a huge number of people who are housed who deal with addiction and the fact that they are just able to t- functionally deal with their addiction from inside their own room or their own apartment. And this guy doesn't have the option of hiding behind a door. That's really the only difference between housed addiction and unhoused addiction. Addiction is the same. It's just whether or not you can pay your bill, some bills while you do it. That's a set that aside. But the other reality is that we don't take into consideration the realities of like the opioid crisis that we're seeing uh, over the last decade or so. The truth is that whole, that addiction, specifically around opioids, is killing upwards of 100,000 people a year. This is a poison that people are ingesting, again, because of they got injured in a sports accident and then were prescribed morphine or Oxycontin or Vicodin or, you know, whatever. And because of that prescription, they ended up losing access and then they switched to heroin because it was cheaper and more available. But it didn't start off because they're like, oh, I want to be a junkie. No one thinks that. And yet that's how we treat people. Yeah. So the lie that all homeless people are addicts needs to be dismantled for a variety. Now, again, uh, there are a lot of folks who are in the street who struggle with addiction, but the truth is that they are oftentimes self-medicating the trauma of their life. They're not traumatizing themselves so that they can be addicted. So there's a reverse order. There's a, there's a, there's a dynamic of like, so again, another example from the street would be, we used to do an outreach at Port Authority on Saturday nights at like. 10 o'clock at night. And you'd see a lot of people who were drunk by 10 o'clock who would come to the outreach. Now you go up to Times Square or down to the financial district, you see a lot of drunk people down there too, who are completely affluent and doing just fine. And no one seems to care about those people, but a homeless guy outside of Fort Authority getting drunk, that is unacceptable. So the other reality though, is that people oftentimes would drink to stay warm. So like if you're, if you're sleeping outside and it's 30 degrees in New York city winters, and you have, and you're sitting there and you don't have anywhere to go and you don't have blankets and you don't have heat. Like, I got to tell you, I, I would, I would probably be right there with them. Uh, I would probably be exactly where they are. So this idea of seeing them as this sort of, as this pariah, as this like cast off is, is it just needs to be debunked. It, it, we need to recognize that first of all, not all, hom- the majority of homeless people are not addicted to substances. Many of them are addicted as a result of their homelessness. They're not homeless as a result of their addiction. And the other factor being that the risks to their lives should supersede our judgment of 
how they got into that position in the first place. And so we have to change that and because lives are literally at stake and we have to find a way to help people instead of judging them and stereotyping them. And again, demonizing them for, for surviving. Yeah. And playing the yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to now talk about the second half of the book because the second half of your book is about practical tips for people. You know, that a lot of people out there just people who would love to help or, or aren't completely aware or just don't know what to do, have no idea what to do, right? And so you give practical tips on how to help in this reality <laughs> of homelessness. And I also heard you say that in terms of people saying, don't give money to people who are homeless because they'll spend it on drugs. I've been working in organizations that have been serving marginalized people for a long time. And I had that in me for a long time. Like, I shouldn't give you money. Maybe I'll buy you a sandwich, that kind of thing. So I, that is newly being challenged to me. So talk about some more of the things that you are recommending to people, tips that you're giving people, freedom you're giving people to not try to do everything, but do one small thing. Yeah, well-intentioned people don't know what to do, don't end up doing nothing at all. And the truth is we can all do something. Yeah. So what I recommend to people is to start by seeing the people that they, that are experiencing homelessness. The other thing I've, I've heard from a volunteer from Indiana one time, it was incredible. So we used to bring these volunteers out in the evening and we would give them flyers with our schedule. We would walk the streets and we would have people engage with folks who are panhandling and people who are experiencing homelessness. And one of the questions I got a lot was, well, how do I know? Like, how do I know if they're homeless? And what we would do is we would train people to be able to identify people who are not walking deliberately from point A to point B, people who shoe their shoes. Shoes are a good indication of whether someone's homeless or not, because if you're homeless on your feet all day, shoes are actually a really difficult thing to find at food, at clothing banks, at shelters, because they come in different sizes, because we wear them down. So if you see someone with really, really bad shoes, you're, it's likely they're, they're likely they're not, they're not having good, a good day or a good year. And then actually engaging with those folks in a meaningful, positive way. So you start by making eye contact, smiling, hello. Again, this sounds like really simple stuff, but the truth is that most of us ignore castaway or even what we've found is sometimes even look at with disgust people who are in the street. So we have to start by shifting the narrative and saying, look, we can just, just see them because once you start to look for them, you will see them. And one of these volunteers that we had from Indiana who came out and participated with that, they described their experience that night as getting LASIK eye surgery. They said when they arrived, they didn't know who to see, who was in trouble, who was struggling around them. But after a night of just training yourself to look for people who are having a hard time, yeah. you see them everywhere. Yeah. You notice them. You see them. And it's the same thing. No, you don't be in a big city. You can be in suburban America and it's the same thing. If you train yourself to look for people who are struggling, I promise you will start to see them. So the first step is seeing them and training yourself to see them. This podcast is sponsored by City Relief. We are a nonprofit dedicated to connecting people who are experiencing homelessness and poverty to food, clothing, and vital resources they need to survive. We show up week after week on New York City and New Jersey streets, regardless of the weather, providing meals and community to those who feel forgotten. We can only do this because of the generosity of everyday people like you who want to see a world where our homeless neighbors are cared for. 
To find out how you can give and make a real impact on homelessness, click the link in the description of this episode. The next and then is engaging with them, actually making a point of saying hello, seeing how they're doing, introducing yourself before you ask the other person to give them their name, but actually saying, hey, my name is Josiah. I just noticed you sitting here on the sidewalk and I just really wanted to say hi and I, I hope you have a really good day. And then a lot of times, again, if they ask for money and you can make a judgment call, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, I don't give money to everybody. If I did, I'd be just completely broke. Like my wife would have left me long ago. If I gave money to everybody who was homeless, like it would be really bad. So I don't give money to everybody and I, and I actually rarely give money, but I do give money sometimes. So I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think giving money to people in the street is a, is like something we should like shame. And, I, and in the Christian, I think in Christian circles, that's kind of how it is. Like we actually like shame people like, oh, you shouldn't give them money. That's that you're enabling them yeah. here. You know, and it's just like, good it's Lord, right? like just relax. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but then someone Venmo's me and I'm like, yeah, no problem. Thanks. Like I'll, you know, or, or like uh, GoFundMe, which is basically panhandling for the internet. So we don't judge those people. Right. We'll set up, we'll set up a GoFundMe account for a friend who like had an accident, but a guy on the street who's had three accidents and has nowhere to stay. Yeah. That guy, we, we stick with time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much we can do, but I would, to answer your question, it starts off small, but I would also say, recognize that there is something we can do and, and, and boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are so healthy. That's the other thing. I mean, I've, I've also talked to, like, again, I'm picking on Christians because I am one of them, but like, I know people from churches who like ended up getting themselves in really sticky situations because they moved too fast with someone they just met where they're like, Hey, come to my apartment. You can take a shower in my apartment. And I'm like, did you know this person? Oh, they're outside my apartment panelly. So you don't know this person, but you invited them into your apartment to take a shower. That is probably not a wise move. Not because you shouldn't do it ever. But because there are some boundaries, you get to know the person, you learn their, what their mannerisms are, what their, what, what kind of, what, how they deal with stress. So there's ways that we can kind of walk out these compassionate steps to engage. And then the other thing I talk about in part two of the book is just how do we get our community involved? Because yeah. we can always make more of an impact together than we can as an individual. And so getting your kids involved, getting your small groups involved, getting your office involved, finding ways to make serving folks who are struggling a part of everyday life. So, Josiah, you are the CEO of City Relief and you are this incredible, outgoing, you grew up in a missionary family in Africa and all these things. A lot of what you're saying, somebody could hear it and say, well, that's easy for me to say. Yeah. So if you can just help, just bring us down to earth for a little bit so that somebody can like kind of lock eyes with you mm -hmm. and understand like, okay, he, he gets, he gets what I go through and what I'm experiencing. What are some of the mistakes you've made actually? The bigger mistakes that you've yeah. made in engaging the unhoused kid? Lots, lots and lots of mistakes. One, I remember one specific case where we were giving out socks at Chelsea Park and I don't, something got goofed up with the process that we were doing. And I got frustrated. And so I walked back in the bus and I got all the socks we had and I just walked them out to people and basically just started handing out socks. Like I was, here's a sock for you. Here's a, take your socks and go, take your socks and go. And so there have been times, many times where I have uh, allowed my own frustrations with a circumstance to impact the level of compassion 
that I've been able to offer. And that's a constant struggle. One of the things I also think I've struggled with is recognizing my own boundaries, recognizing. So I talked about boundaries, you know, about how important it is to have boundaries. Well, I made a lot of, I learned that by not doing it well, by getting in a situation where I have somebody in front of me who I really should put a clear boundary marker in front of, but I was determined to help them. I was going to be the savior and that savior complex never ends well for you or the person. So there is an element of, you know, wanting to do a good thing, but then making it about me instead of making it about the the best interest of the person. And so you, those mistakes happen constantly. I mean, I'm still making those mistakes. So in addition to that, I would just say that feeling pressure and pushing myself to do things that I really had no business doing. I've done that many, many times. And recognizing my own limitations yeah. is really, really important yep. uh, in the process of helping someone in a holistic way. Yeah, yeah. that's real. We could talk all day, right? Absolutely. Um, but let's, we need to wrap it up. So I just want to, one final question. You've said so much that we can drink in, but leave us with one thing that you would challenge all of us, our listeners and us to think differently about homelessness. If you live in New York or New Jersey or technically anywhere, and you'd like to volunteer with us, click on the link in the description of this episode. That homelessness is a choice. Again, this is so common where we assume that people are in the street because they want to be. And the the, the part of the reason that it's, it's actually challenging is because we meet people in the street who will tell us that they're out there by choice. I've talked to several and people will always throw that back to me. Oh, well, Josiah, I met a guy who was camping and he said he wanted to be out there. And I was actually just in a conversation with my brother recently about a friend of his who is struggling with mental health issues. And he told me like, oh, well, he's, he honestly, he, he likes it better outside than he does inside. And my response was, what would happen if we offered that person a, a, a room that was private that gave his own private bathroom and still allowed him to have the freedom to come and go as he pleased would he accept that and the answer was well of course of course well of course so really so it comes down to no the person so the person is playing the cards they've been dealt in as well as they can yeah. and we as human beings need to feel good about our own choices yeah and so if I'm outside and someone says, well, why don't you go inside? Well, what are my options? You're not offering me keys to an apartment. You're offering me a congregate shelter. Yeah. Well, of course they're going to be out there. Or if you, so the way I would phrase it, and then we can wrap it up with this, but if life was a multiple choice test and A, B, C, and D are the options and D is homeless, tell me what A, B, and C look like that someone would choose D. Ends up D. Like what, what is A, B, and C? Because what we have, I think a problem we have as a society is we assume that the same options, A, B, and C, and D that I have are what they have, Mm. which is completely unfair. So A, B, and C are the options. Tell me what they are. And then I'll tell you why that person's choosing D Mm -hmm. because homelessness is not a choice. I mean, it's a societal choice. It's not an individual choice. Amazing. Yeah. It's been so great to sit with you. Yeah, for sure. Josiah, your insight, you know, your years of experience and your your dedication to what the Lord has clearly given you. This cause that the Lord has given you is inspiring, it's convicting, it's challenging, and it's encouraging. 
So we thank you so much for just your leadership, your time, your expertise for all of it. Hey, you. Yes, you, listener. Have you ever been walking down the street and someone who appeared unhoused approached you and asked for money? Or do you ever walk to the train in the morning and see someone holding a sign asking for help? What do you do? Well, don't worry. We are here to help. Click the link in the description of this episode for a quick, easy-to-use guide packed with helpful tips for how to engage with your neighbors experiencing homelessness.